Amen. Hey, grab a copy of God's Word. Open up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, or turn on your Bibles to John chapter 1. But we are in a study of the book of John. Today is week number 2. And uh, last week, we were in the first few verses, and we looked at the supremacy of Christ. Today, we're going to be in verses 6 through 13, and we are looking at the mission of Christ. And so let me read these verses to us and uh, let's get an idea of what we're going to be looking at today. So starting in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Lord, thank you for the truth of it. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would take the very word of God and um, speak to our hearts, enlighten the eyes of our hearts to hear, to know, and to receive the truth. And we just thank you, Father, and just thank you for your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today, like I said, we are looking at the mission of Christ. And uh, in these verses, John actually gives us five things that we need to see about the mission of Christ. So I would encourage you, take some notes, get an outline, um, but let's begin with this first point. Here's the first thing about the mission of Christ, and it's this. The mission of Christ relies on the necessity of people witnessing. The mission of Christ relies on the necessity of people witnessing. And this is what we see in verses 6 through 8. We we see this necessity. So there in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now the John that John is talking about is not John himself, but John the Baptist. All right, John, the writer of the book, is John the Apostle. The John he's referring to, who he's introducing us to, is John the Baptist. All right? So, John the Baptist is this man who was sent by God. Now, as I explained last week, and I see it again in in these verses, John the Apostle, the writer of this book, doesn't take a lot of time to introduce us to people. All right? The book of John is a lot different in the intro from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, like I showed you last week, they introduced Jesus in a lot of different ways. Okay, his birth, the shepherds, the angels, the whole nine yards. Not John. He just dove in right into the supremacy of Christ. Okay? Deep into the pool right away. Well, here he is again. Like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they introduced John in a lot of different ways. They, 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 they reveal who his family was. They, they talk about, you know, that he came onto the scene and he was this preacher. He, they, they described what he wore. They described what he ate. They, we know a lot about John from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not here in the book of John. John just jumps right in and says, oh, here's this dude. He shows up and here's what he was supposed to do. He just dives right into his mission and not his identity. He wants to show us, here's what John was about, so let's just get into that. 
And so he shows us that John the, the Baptist, John the Baptist, and here's what John the Baptist's mission was. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Do you notice in two verses, three times the word witness is used, all right? John the Baptist was told to be a witness, to be a witness, to be a witness. Some of you may have a version that says, or to testify, all right? Kind of think of someone in court, all right? They're, they're an eyewitness to an account. And so this person is saying, they're in court saying, hey, here's what I know. And they, they give their testimony. They're, they're testifying. That's what John's doing here. John is saying, John the Baptist came to testify, to witness to the light. And his witness, his, testi his testifying was to testify, to let people know, hey, there's someone else coming. The light is coming. And the light has a mission. And John's mission John the Baptist's mission was to help people come to believe in the mission of Christ, okay? John the Baptist's whole thing was, I'm just paving the way to reveal to people the Messiah is here. The Savior of the world is in the world, and if you will believe in him, you can be saved. That's what John the Baptist came to do. Now, it's very interesting when you contrast the birth of Christ to the revealing of the mission of Christ, way different in the introduction. Here you have this little, little, bitty baby showing up, and God does it with grandeur, okay? He has these wise men who live thousands of miles away see this star in the sky that's like brighter than anything else, and it's not moving, and it's like beaming down. They're like, oh, we got to go check this out because look at that thing. That thing is awesome. And then you have some shepherds just hanging out in the fields at night. And all these angels show up. And they're like, whoa. Ah! And they're announcing, hey, this baby's being born. But now Jesus is on the scene. 33 years later. He's an adult now. He's about to... Show the world, here's my mission. And how does God do it? No stars, no angels, but with a person. Just some dude. Now, here's the thing. When you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, here's what it says about John. And there was a man named John who appeared. That's it. He just showed up one day, and he began to preach. And he began to preach about the light, about Jesus Christ who came into the world. That's all we know. We don't know if he was educated. I'm assuming because he wore camel's hair and he ate locusts. Not a lot of education going on there, okay? That's just some dude going, well, I don't have a lot of money, but I got a little bit of camel hair. And that locust and honey looks really good. And he started eating that. But he's like, I just... So God reveals Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, not by sights and sounds and wonders and miracles, but simply through a person. And this person, John the Baptist, begins the very first witness. And John, the apostle, the writer of John, from the very beginning of his letter, is showing us the necessity that people are 
and witnessing. Okay? John the Baptist becomes this very first person to show that God is going to get this, get this message out, not by the, the sound of angelic voices, but by the sound of a person. And guess what? From John the Baptist through the apostles, from the beginning of the start of the church for the next 2,000 years all the way today, guess how the message of Christ has been communicated? Through a person. Through ordinary, everyday people. And guess what? Here we are, 2022, a new year, and the message of Christ is going to be communicated. And guess how it's going to be communicated? Through people, through a person, through a person like you. Okay? And guess what? John the Baptist, or I mean John the Apostle, is trying to get to us and help us to see the necessity to get the message out. To, get the, the, to let people know that there is still a mission that Christ has. And that mission is that he is a savior and he wants to save people. But the necessity is that there will be people who will talk about it, who will say something, who will be a witness. And that's us. We are to be a witness. And you and I need to see the necessity of that. Because sometimes we're like, well, you know what? I really don't need to be a witness. There's a lot of other people who can do that. Pastor, you do a great job doing that. I don't need to do that. And we come up with a lot of excuses as to why we don't have to, don't we? Well, you know, I really don't know a lot. I don't speak well. I'm not very educated. My personality is not the personality to do that. So I really don't need to be that witness. No, wrong. John is showing us the necessity for every single person to be a witness. Okay? Now, here's the thing. John the Baptist, when you read about him... He, like I said, he just showed up one day in the wilderness. He didn't show up in a building. He didn't show up at a seminary. He didn't show up. Any, he showed up out in the wilderness. And he began to just preach a simple message. And it was this. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Just repent. And that was his message. And guess what it says? That people from the cities went out in the wilderness. I think it was to see the crazy guy wearing camel hair and eating locusts. They're like, I just got to go check this dude out. And they just showed up, and they're hearing the message, and people were repenting, and John was baptizing people. But what made John effective was not the fact that he was a great communicator. It was not the fact that he probably was well-educated. It probably wasn't the fact that he had a great personality, he had good looks. Here's what I think this, the simple thing that made John the Baptist effective in his witness. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. That God was with him. That was it. So do you want to know what makes you an effective witness? Not your looks. Not how well you communicate. Not your knowledge. Not your education. Not your person. None of that. Now, does it mean that you don't learn what the Bible says? Absolutely. But here's the thing. What makes you an effective witness is your willingness to say, God, help me. If you will just sit and just, I remember when I used to work in, in the prison before I was pastor, I would sit in the parking lot before I ever went in and I would say a simple prayer. God, help me to be a witness tonight. 
that God, if you'll open a door for me, I'll say something. And it just seemed like God opened doors all the time. But it was simply because I was willing to ask God to help me. And maybe that's where you are before you go to work, go to a family reunion, go to, you know, talk to an old friend to simply pray, God, I don't know what to say. I don't speak well when it comes about this stuff. I kind of, I kind of fumble over my, but God, if you'll help me, Holy Spirit, if you'll, you, you'll just anoint me and speak through me and you'll open a door, I'll step through it. And you'll be amazed at what God will do with that. You see, what makes us effective is just seeing the necessity for my witness. When you just realize, God, because, hey, get this. Do you understand that there may be people in your sphere of influence that will only receive from you? Think about that for a moment. There can, this, the, the, you may, the, Barb at work may be able to hear from anybody and everybody and will turn them off. But something about you, she'll listen to. And it could be simply your simplicity. It could be simply just your love. And, but Barb will listen to you. You never know the influence you have with someone in your sphere. So all you need to know is the necessity for your witness. Here's the second thing about the mission of Christ. The mission of Christ is the real truthful message. The mission of Christ is the, the, the real truthful message. So John comes bearing witness to this light. And you know, he says, I, I, he wasn't the light, but he bared witness to the light. But now look at verse 9. Just right at the beginning of verse 9. The true light. The true light. Okay? So six times from verse 4 to verse 9, the word light is used. The light. The light pierces the dark. The light shines in the darkness. John's, John's the, the, the witness of the light. Now here we have the true light. The light, the light, the light, the light. All right? What is this light that they keep referring to? And well, the reality is the light is the light of Christ. All right? Jesus even tells, says in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. But what in the world does that mean? Jesus is the light. How is Jesus the light? So can I tell you, um, when Jesus was alive... Um, his light was not like a lot of paintings, all right? He did not have this huge halo above his head that radiated like sunlight. That was not the light. His body did not radiate sunlight, okay? That was not the light, okay? Even today, Jesus is still the light, but he is not beaming radiating light like the sun. So what does it mean that Jesus is the light? It goes back to verse 1, that he is the word. You see, the light of Christ is his message. The light of Christ is his word. See, the light of Christ is when the word of God is going forth, and it is, it's like light to the eyes. It's like light to my heart. It's, it's like, oh, wow, I see something. I, I, I hear that, and, and, I, and I see it. I see the truth. I see what it says. The light of Christ is the very word of God. But notice it says in verse 9, the key word, true light, meaning the truth, the real truth, the absolute truth, that the gospel, the words of Christ, the word of God is not just a truth or a light. It is the true light. 
that the word of God is the true light. That the Bible, this thing that we are reading, is the absolute truth. Now that causes ripples. When you start making the proclamation, when you start making the absolute proclamation that this thing right here, that we, the Bible, this thing, we start to say, this is the truth. This is the absolute truth. Can I tell you, you're going to stir up feathers. Because people start to look at you and go, whoa, wait a minute, dude. You're making some absolute claims there. How can you say that that's the truth? Because there's a lot of religious books out there. Well, here's the thing. And I, I'm, I'm just going to read how I wrote this down. And this is why you and I can be very confident in knowing that the pages that you're reading are the words of God. That this gospel that we know is the truth. That this is the light of Christ. And here's why. I wrote this down. I said, the reason we can say that the gospel is truth, the Bible is truth, is because no other book in history has been attacked, banned, burned, or outlawed more than the Bible. From Roman emperors to modern-day communist countries. Okay? I was reading in a book that I have in my office this week. It's by, uh, by the author Josh McDowell, and it's uh, the book called New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And I would encourage you, if, you want to, if, if, you're, if you're wanting to know how can I know that the Bible is right, um, go get this book. It's about yay thick, but um, it, it, it is so good on strengthening that what we have is the Word of God. And, and there's a quote in there by a guy by the name of Bernard Ram. And Bernard Ram was a professor of systematic theology at American Baptist Seminary in the mid-1900s. I, I thought about that today, and I was thinking, the mid-1900s. That's, that's what we say, the mid-1800s. I'm like, the mid-1900s sounds so far away, okay? But, but he, was, he was a professor in the mid-1900s, and he says this. He says, a thousand times over... The death knell of the Bible has been sounded. The funeral procession formed. The inscription cut out on the tombstone and the committal read. But somehow, the corpse never stays put. No other book has been so chopped, knived, sifted, scrutinized, and vilified. What book on philosophy, religion, psychology, or classical or modern literature... Has been, has been subject to such mass attack as the Bible, with such venom and skepticism, with such thoroughness and education upon every chapter, line, and tenet. The Bible is still loved by millions, read by millions, studied by millions. There is no other book. None. But yet, people will look at the Bible and go, that is nonsense, and it has been attacked, it has been banned, it has been burned, more than anything else. If it's just the book, why? If it's not real, why? 
If it's not really the truth, why do so many people get so bent out of shape about it? Because it is the truth. It is, as John says, the true light. And when it is the true light, the real truth, people don't want to hear that. So the mission of Christ, it relies on the necessity of people witnessing. It is the real truthful message. Here's the third thing about the mission of Christ. It reveals the true condition of man. See, this is now getting this point here. It reveals the true condition of man. This is really where um, the road, the, the rubber meets the road. Here is the real reason why people don't like the Bible, okay? Because it's going to reveal something. So look at verse 9 again. It says, the true light, which enlightens everyone. So this light, the word of God, the gospel, the words of Christ, Christ enlightens Everyone. Some of you may have a version that says it gives light to all men or gives light to everyone. Now, what does that mean that, that this light, the light of Christ, the word of God, that it enlightens everyone or gives light to everyone? Here's what it does not mean. It doesn't mean that, that every person has been enlightened to the truth of Christ inwardly. It, it doesn't mean that every person has been enlightened to know and have salvation within. That's not what it means. When it says that it enlightens everyone, what it means is that the, the word of Christ, the, the, the message of the gospel, this light, the truth of God's word, it acts like light in the darkness. The, 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 the truth of God's word, when you hear it, when you read it, when you study it, when those words go into your mind, into your ears, all of a sudden, here's what it does. It becomes a, like a, a flashlight, and it begins to beam that light on the darkness in your life. That's why in verse 5 it says that the light shines in the darkness. The light is the word, the, the truth of, of the gospel, the truth of God's word, and it shines into the darkness, the darkness of man, the darkness of our sinfulness, the darkness of what is truly the real condition of humanity. That's what people don't want to see and hear. It's kind of like, think of your house for a moment. You know, think of a bedroom in your house, and you've got the, the, the shades pulled on the windows, and, and the lights are off, and you walk into that room, and you haven't been in there for a while, and it's darker than dark. Now, you can walk into that bedroom, and you can proclaim in the darkness, this room is clean. And you can stand there in the darkness and proclaim all day long and all week long how clean that room really is. But what happens when you turn on the light? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, there's a lot of dust in here. You look at the carpet, and you're like, oh, stains, coffee stains breadcrumb what's the deal then you start noticing laundry on the floor and you start to realize whoa this room isn't clean why because the light has revealed the true condition of the room you see the gospel the words of christ the word of god the truth of it 
shines in our darkness. Your heart, your life is like that room. And when the truth of the gospel, when it comes and penetrates within, guess what it does? It reveals our true condition. It reveals the true condition of sinful humanity. Okay? And that's why people don't want to believe that the word of God is the truth. Why do you, this is why people want to ban the Bible, want to burn the Bible. Want to want to discredit the Bible? We want to get rid of the Bible because if 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 I can just claim anything and everything is truth, then nothing really shines on my life. But if I make the proclamation and claim this is the truth, and I begin to read it and I see what God says, guess what? It starts to reveal the darkness in me, the the the, the room in me, and I can claim, nope, I'm clean, man. I am good to go. And wrong with me but then as I start to read truth the light comes on in my room and I start to see the stains I see the dust I see the dirt I see the sin and that's what the word of God does it reveals the true condition the light of Christ shines in the darkness of man and here's what it reveals the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christ as a light. Here's what it reveals. That all people, men and women alike, every single one of us are sinners. Plain and simple. You see, in the book of Romans chapter 3, it tells us a truth that no one wants to hear. It says there's no one righteous before God. Not one person. No one is right. It tells us that we all are sinners. It tells us that all of us are separated from God. That's your true condition. By yourself, you are not right before God. By yourself, in yourself, in the darkness, your sinfulness causes you to be unrighteous before God. And by yourself, because of your sin, Romans chapter 3 says that you fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, the wages of my sin is death. Spiritual death. Spiritual separation from God. That's my true condition. That is what the Bible, the light of the word, reveals. It reveals our true condition. And that light shines on that true condition. But there's hope for this true condition. And this is where now John gets into this hope aspect of it. Here's the fourth thing about the mission of Christ. The mission of Christ can lead to either rejection or reception. The mission of Christ, Jesus, Messiah, Savior, came in, coming, he came into this world to save sinners. That's the mission. That's the message but it can either lead to people rejecting it or receiving it. And look at verses 10 through 12. So again, verse 9, it says, The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He, meaning Christ, the light, was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Let me stop right there. Notice one word that keeps being repeated there, the world, the world, the world. What does John mean by the world? Well, the world comes from uh, the Greek word cosmos, and it can actually refer to two different things. It can refer to the literal planet, okay, the, 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 the earth, and that's the world we live in. Or it can also apply to people, all right? That's where when Jesus says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, not the planet, but people. And so here in this text, he uses kind of both. He says the world was made by him, the planet, but the world did not receive him, meaning people. So when Jesus was here, he was going around and he was communicating his mission. Hey, by the way, I'm the, I'm the gospel, or I'm the gospel. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the, the, the Messiah. I'm the Savior. If you'll believe in me, you'll be saved. But notice in the text he says, his own people, meaning the Jewish people, did not receive him. You see, here's the problem people were having back then. Was intellectually, their minds could not, they could not wrap their mind, their intellect, around who Jesus was. Because they knew him, all right? They're like, wait a minute, time out. We know who you are. We know where you come from. You're the carpenter's son. Joseph's your dad. We know how you were raised. We, we saw you as a kid. We, we know who you are. There is no way you are who you say you are. No way. And they could not, for the life of them, wrap their intellect around it. They just couldn't. Especially the religious teachers. They're just like, no, we know the law. We know what it says. We know that the, when the Messiah comes, we're going to know it. You're not him. And intellectually, they just could not get it. So guess what they did? Rejected it. Can't do it. But then you have just Joe Bag of Donuts. I'm a sinner. Man, I'm messed up. You got this woman, I'm an adulterer. Woman, I'm a prostitute. This guy, I'm a tax collector and I'm stealing from people. And Jesus is like, hey, follow me. Because I'll change your life. And they have nothing else. And they, they're, they're intellect. They're not, they're, they're like, well, I don't get it, man. I, I don't understand this, but I'll believe it. And they received what Jesus was saying. See, this is no different for you and me today. We can either receive what Jesus is and who he is and what he done, receive that, or we can reject it. You see, here's the thing. We need to get a... When it comes to, you know, like I said, Jesus is the light, the, the true light, the word of God. We have the word of God, and the word of God... Is, is, is beaming the light into our darkness. We have the truth that reveals who you and I are spiritually. We have that truth. So here's the problem. When it comes to believing or not believing, receiving or rejecting Christ, it is no longer an intellectual problem. It's no longer crisis of the intellect. Do you want to know what it's a crisis of? The will. It's a crisis of my will. Because when it comes to receiving or rejecting, believing or not, I have to make a conscious, volitional choice. 
I know the truth. I see it. I hear it. But do I want to receive it or not? I hear you're telling me Jesus is the Savior of the world, and I'm a sinner, and I'm separated from God. I, I hear that truth. But do I want to really believe it? Do I really want to receive it or not? You see, that's what we need to understand. When John writes there in verse 12, he says, But to all who did receive him and all who believed in his name, we need to understand what receive and believe mean. Okay? Because to receive and believe is more than, than intellect. It's more than just having a mental assent to truth. Okay? Because you can have the intellect and truly grasp mentally the truths about Christ. You can know the facts. You can, you can read historians. You can, you can truly intellectually say, yeah, I get that. But you can still say intellectually, I get it, but I don't want to receive it. Because you're making a volitional choice to say, I don't want to truly submit to that. You see, believing and receiving, it all boils down truly to one word. Faith. Believing and receiving is, yeah, intellectually, I get it in my mind, I hear it, I, hear, I see it, but i got to transmove this thing from my head to my heart. i got to move it from just intellect to believing it. So by faith, what I do is, I, by faith, I, I hear the message and I accept what Jesus has done. By faith, I believe I'm a sinner, and I am messed up, and I am separated from God. So by faith, I have to believe that Jesus came to this world to save sinners, who I am. And by faith, I believe that he, he, he went to that cross, he died on that cross, and became the sacrifice for the sin of humanity. And by faith, I come to that place where I acknowledge that he alone is the only thing that can save me. Nothing else. You see, John, I mean, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, one simple little line. We walk by faith, not by sight. Every day in this world, you have to make the decision. Do I live by faith? Or do I live by sight? As an unbeliever, you have to make the decision. Do I live by faith? Or do I live by sight? As an unbeliever, living by sight means my intellect, nope, I can't, I can't wrap my hand, I can't get my head around this, nope, I can't accept it. So guess what I do? I don't walk by faith. I keep walking by what I know. I keep by walking by what I see. I keep by, I walk by my intellect and I keep refusing to receive it. But there's got to come a point when, as an unbeliever, I start to walk by faith. i got to step out by faith and go, I may not intellectually get this thing. I may not intellectually understand. I may not intellectually know how this all works together. But wow, I, I, I hear the truth. Man, it's, it's saying something. So, okay, by faith, I'm going to step into this thing and believe it. And I'm by faith, I'm going to receive Jesus into my life. And then when you become a believer in Christ, guess what you are doing every single day? You are living by faith. I don't know about you, 
I have my doubts. Anybody in that boat with me? If I'm completely honest with you, there are days when I go, do we really know? Man, how do we really know? And my mind intellectually grapples. But guess what I got to keep coming back to? By faith. By faith. I believe. You know, I know a lot of people grapple with, well, how do we know this is right? Because it's been translated so many times. Men wrote this thing. How do we know? I mean, I mean, how do we know? I don't know intellectually. Intellectually, with my mind, I cannot intellectually say with 100%, without a doubt, go, I know because we have all the proof. We don't. So guess what I have to do? I have to believe that God, in his sovereignty, in his greatness, he somehow protected this thing. And through the centuries and through the millennia, as people wrote that God, through his inspiration of his spirit, was protecting it. And I have to make that choice. Do I live by faith today? And do I trust that what I read in this book, God has protected it? And what is written in these pages? And I know there are people out there, well, there are other books out there. How do you know those aren't? You know what? I got to believe that the 66 books between these two leather binders are it. And that God put this thing together. Not the men at some council, but God through his wisdom, through him. Just like when the writers of scripture first started writing this, they said, we wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when the canon was complete from Genesis to Revelation, the 66 books of this thing, the canon, I have got to believe by faith that God, through his Holy Spirit, took that counsel and said, this is it. And thousands of years later, hundreds and hundreds of years later, what we have called the canon, the word of God, is the complete word of God. But the only way you and I get through until my last breath is not my intellect. Your intellect will fail you because the enemy is good at lying to the intellect. The only thing that will keep you upright in the world of chaos is faith, is trusting that this is the true light, that the mission of Christ is still going forward and that I have to receive this thing. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're online and you have never come to the place of receiving the truth of Christ. Maybe intellectually, you just can't wrap your mind around it. You've been grappling with this thing intellectually, and you've tried, and you've come up with so many reasons as to why I don't need to receive it. I'm telling you, intellectually, it'll fail you every time, but maybe by this time, you need to hear the truth. And the truth is, the true light says you are a sinner. And Jesus came to save sinners, which all of us are. And if you do not know Christ... You are going to miss out on the last point. 
Because here's the good news about receiving Christ. Look at the fifth thing. The lastly, the mission of Christ gives people the right to be members of God's family. The mission of Christ gives us the right to be members of God's family. So verse 12 again, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed him, by faith, man, not intellectually, they just said, okay, I'm by faith, man, I, I, I believe what Jesus did and I receive him into my life. Look what it says. He gave, Jesus gives this thing. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. See, G John gives us the good news. He gives us the result of my faith. He gives us the result of my believing and receiving Christ as Savior. And it's this. When you come to know Christ through faith and believe in him and receive him, you are given the right to become a child of God. Now, that's important. A right to become a child. If you become a child, what does that mean prior to believing? You're not a child. See, that's one of the fallacies of the world, of, of, of what people say. Everybody's a child of God. No. Every person is not a child of God. Every person is a creation of God. But not every person who has ever lived and breathed has been a child of God. The only way you become a child of God is you got to be born into his family. This is what we're going to see again. I'm telling you, this message that I'm preaching today, can I tell you, John, he, he, he permeates John, the book of John with this message. So if you're tired of this message, you're going to want to hate coming to church because you're going to hear this message a lot. Because in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking about this thing. He says, I'm telling you, you got to be born again in order to see God. He's talking about spiritually. Meaning, remember, we're all sinners. And our, all, and our sin causes us to be dead before God. You see, but yet we have people, the world, saying, you know what? Everybody is a child of God. And because everybody's a child of God, God loves everybody. And you know what? Because God loves everybody, it really doesn't matter what you believe or what you, you, you think. Or, or it doesn't, as long as it's sincere, you're okay. All roads lead to God. That's what the world tells us. That's the message of people. And that's why you and I, by faith, I got to believe that this is the word, the true light. So if I believe that this is the true light, that the words of Christ, the word of the gospel, the word of God is truth, the absolute truth, then I have to believe that the book of Ephesians is right. And the book of Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very clear that before you know Christ, before you ever believed and received Christ, you were dead in your sin. Not physically, spiritually. Spiritually dead before God. That you were a son of disobedience. That you lived according to your own desires. That you were without Christ and without hope. And by nature, an object of God's wrath. That is your condition before believing and receiving. You're not a child of God. But when you, by faith, I may not understand it intellectually, but by faith, man, I'm stepping into this thing. By faith, Jesus, I believe you. 
I'm going to believe what you said in this thing. And I'm going to believe that you are my Savior. You are the Savior of the world. And I want to receive you. And when you believe and you receive him and you surrender yourself to him and you come into that relationship with Christ, that makes you a child of God. And this is why we need to understand. People say, no, no, you get to God because you're good. If, how many of you, we've, we've all heard this. People will say, people are basically good. So because we are basically good, that means be, I, 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 I'm basically good. Yeah, I do some bad things, but because I'm basically good, God will accept me based on the fact that I'm basically good. And, and, and if I'm good, that gets me to heaven. But that's the problem. Being good isn't good enough. You see, that's why if you look at the text, it says, but to all who did receive him and who believed in him, he gave the right to become a child to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, you're not born again. You're not made alive spiritually because of what you do. You're not, when he says it's not of the flesh or the will of man, he's talking about what you do. You're, you're not born again. You don't become alive in front of God because you're too sexy for your shirt. It's not happening. So it doesn't matter how good I am. It won't work. The only thing that makes me a child of God is because through Christ, my union with Christ makes me right with God. My union with Christ makes me a child of God. Nothing else. The only thing that you do to be made alive with Christ, the only thing you do to become a child of God, the only thing you do to become right with God is this. Have faith. Nothing else. Not how far. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how good you are, how kind you are, how, how religious you are. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is, do you have faith? Have you placed your faith in Christ and the work of Christ alone? nothing else. If you've never placed your faith in Christ alone, you are still not a child of God. And you're still separated from God. Not because God hates you. God loves you. He loves you in your sin. He loves you the fact that you, that's why he sent Jesus. Because when Jesus showed up, he's like, man, these are, these are people like sheep without a shepherd. They're just wandering around. And guess what? Humanity, we're just sheep wandering around, trying to find the right field, trying to find the right things. And we're just meandering around, getting ourselves in trouble even more. And that's when God's like, you know what? I got to send my son to die for their sin because they can't get it. And Jesus dies on a cross, and all he asks is one thing. Can you have faith? You know, in the book of John, chapter 20, and we'll get there way down the road. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, he starts appearing to the disciples. Thomas was one of the 11 that never saw him. And the, the other disciples were like, dude, we saw Jesus. He's like, shut up. You did not. And, and Thomas would not believe it. See, Thomas, he could, intellectually, he couldn't wrap his mind around this thing. He's like, nah, I know this. You die, you die. You're not getting up. And intellectually, Thomas could not wrap his brain around this thing. He could not believe what the other apostles were saying. He could not. 
until Jesus showed up. And then he's like, oh, you are my God. You're my Lord. And Jesus, I, I, I picture this of Jesus. Kind of, I wonder if he put his arm around Thomas and went, you know what, Tom? You believe because you've seen. But blessed are those who will believe who have never seen. You see, he's talking about you. If you believe in Jesus today, how blessed are you? Because by faith, you've never seen Jesus. Maybe you have. Maybe Jesus showed up in the, back, in the foot of your bed, and I would love to see that. But I want to say more than likely, you have not seen Jesus. But yet you still believe. By faith. Intellectually, you know what? Intellectually, we're not getting this thing, gang. That's why we are saved by faith and faith alone. And so maybe today that's you. Maybe today you're online and you're listening and you've never come to the place where you've accepted Christ. You've been trying to intellectually figure this thing out. You've been trying to, you know, in your own mind, in your own strength, in your own power, whatever it is. You've been like, I can, I can, I can get this thing done. But I'm telling you, you can't. It is simply by faith. And today, by faith, you come to believe in Christ and receive what he did. And I would encourage you, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, don't leave this place without talking to me. When I'm out in the foyer, man, just come up and say, Jim, can I talk to you, man? What you said resonated with me because I've been trying to figure out Jesus in my own mind. and help me, help me to come to that faith. And I would love to talk with you and pray with you. If you're online, I would encourage you to email me. Email Pastor Dusty and say, I, I, I need to know more. But I'm telling you, by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Hey, why don't we all stand? Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's just bow our heads and just go before, before the Father at this, this point. So, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And, Lord, I know that there are a lot of people who struggle with that idea that this is the truth. We try to wrap our, our minds around this intellectually. We try to figure it out on our own. We think we can, we think we know enough, but Lord, the reality is we can't intellectually wrap this in our minds because if we try to do it intellectually, God, we keep rejecting that. We keep walking away from it. But Lord, it's, it's the faith of a child to say, I may not know and I may not understand. I may not be able to figure everything out. And there may be still a lot of questions I have, but... But you just require us just to come by faith, to receive Christ, to believe in him. And Lord, if there's anybody here or watching online, if they don't know you personally, they never come to that place where they have said, Jesus, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner and I can't, I can't make myself right. I, and I pray they would just by a simple faith say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I receive you today. So Lord, if there be anyone here or online, I just pray that they would just talk to me, email me or Dusty or something. Because Lord, I don't want anybody thinking they can get there up by themselves and be deceived and fooled by the enemy. I pray that the true light has been light in the darkness today and the truth has been revealed. And that Lord, there would be an act of your will to say, Jesus, 
So, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.